Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve Him in a deeper way. Well, good morning, everyone. So good to see you. And thank you for being here uh, this morning. I trust you're doing well. And a special welcome to all of our guests that are here this morning. And welcome to all those who are watching uh, or joining us online. Uh, today I have actually all, all the women in my life are here today. My mom and two sisters flew in from Florida this weekend. So it's nice to have uh, them here as well. Uh, for those who are visiting here for the first time, or first time in a long time, my name is Donald, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here. Last week, we began a brand new series, The Worst Advice Ever, and you helped me really shape this series. I had asked you before Christmas if you would fill out these cards, remember that, Worst Advice Ever, and they, and they kind of come in three categories, three categories that the worst advice ever, one the number one one was actually finances. Some of you have received some really bad advice about finances. Then some of you have received some bad advice about relationships. And then some of you shared about some bad advice that you had gotten or received uh, some spiritual advice. There's a lot of advice that gets passed around that isn't that good. And then last week, of course, we, um, we read at some funny ones, but this week, uh, these are a little more serious. Uh, this is just to deal with some financial, since we're still talking about that. One person said, I received some bad financial advice and lost way too much money. One person said, I cashed, a bad advice that was given to me is I cashed out our daughter's educational savings plan. Should have never done it. Uh, someone said here, I was given a scoop in the 80s by a friend of mine who said there's a really good deal to invest in. There's a brand new uh, silver mine opening in the Northwest Territories. Get in now before production starts. Well, production never did start. And the complete investment was lost. I was told, uh, I'm not familiar with this, Briax. The Briax is a great stock. You should buy some. I bought a lot and it became worthless in two months. Someone said, buy Nortel stock. They said, buy it. I bought it. It went in one direction, down and bankrupt. So there's been a lot of people that have been sharing just some of the vices, the advice that you've gotten uh, over the years. And as I said, there's a lot of advice being passed around that really isn't that great. Now this morning, we're going to kind of continue on our conversation from last week. We were talking about finances. And I said last week that a lot of people say, oh, the church really shouldn't be talking about money. And, and you throw out some, uh, some suggestions as to why people say, People, the church shouldn't be talking about money. Number one is, it's just too personal, right? It's a private issue. So therefore, the church shouldn't be talking about it. Some people say, well, that's all the church ever talks about is money. Some say, well, actually, the church talks about it because all they want is your money. Some say, it's so uncomfortable. Don't you know you don't talk about politics, religion, or money in mixed company? Um, it reveals priorities, people said. And some people said, we shouldn't be talking about it because it's too stressful. Uh, some people said, you shouldn't talk about it because none of us have it any. It's just a waste of time. Some have said that, well, the church is just meddling into my business when they're talking about money. 
Uh, probably the number one is that people say the church shouldn't talk about money because, it, well, it just makes you feel guilty. And when I thought of that guilty, I, I couldn't help but think of this one scene that I remember seeing on television. You take a look at the screen. With over 800 verses and 2,000 references about money in the Bible, it is really a hard subject to ignore. See, money is not just a financial issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's a discipleship uh, issue. Um, we don't talk a lot about money here at Temple, to be honest with you. But we're not afraid to, uh, to talk about it. We don't just ignore it. We don't shy away from it. It is an interesting observation, though, when you study the Bible and you look at all those references and those Bible verses, that the Bible does talk about giving, but it mainly talks about money management. That's what it really talks about a lot. And it talks about the, um, the destruction that debt can leave. And, and last week, we tried to look at why is it that smart people can make some very poor choices. We, we looked at why sometimes we can step back and look at ourselves and go, how in the world could I have made that decision? What made me marry that man? What made me choose to buy that car and make those kind of payments? And uh, what we did is we looked at an Old Testament prophet who had some great insights. He, he was an advisor to several kings, and, and if they had just heeded his advice, they would have saved a lot of heartache. But that wasn't the result for them. Jeremiah was his name, and if you remember, the verse that we looked at last week was, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That was Jeremiah 17, 9. 
Another translation puts it this way. The heart is more deceitful than anything else, and it's desperately sick. Who can know it? And, and Jeremiah penned these words after he had spent some time with some kings who had made some very foolish decisions. We would say very stupid decision. The kind of decisions that causes the outside observer to look on and go, what would cause a man or a woman who's so smart to make that kind of a decision? Well, the Bible says we have a heart problem. It just doesn't always tell us the truth. It has a tendency to lead us astray. All the pastoral staff here have a heart that can be deceived. Now, you may say, well, fire them all and get a whole new crew. The problem is we're all in the same boat. You know, Jesus actually had some words to say about the heart as well. One day, Jesus is teaching on the side of the mountain. We know the talk, the conversation, as the Sermon on the Mount. And he shares a truth that is so profound that 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. And this is the truth, that, or the truth that he declares. It's not just the truth that is for Christians or for church people. This truth isn't just for those who say they're, that uh, they believe in God. It's also for those who say, I don't believe in God, who say there is no God. This truth is not just uh, for North Americans. This truth is actually something that is, is worldwide. This truth is not just for first world nations. This truth is also for third world countries. And this is what Jesus said. You probably know this verse. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's one of those verses that honestly you should underline your Bible, maybe circle it, highlight it, memorize it, read it daily. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So what does that actually mean? It means your money and your heart is so closely tied together, it is impossible to separate them. When you say the word heart, you should immediately think of the word money because the two are almost one. Some of us think we have a money problem. But in actuality, we have a heart problem. It is a universal truth. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's true in Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, New Brunswick, Quebec, Ontario, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and British Columbia. It's true south of the border of us. It's true on the other side of the ocean. Jesus hit the, the nail on the head when he spoke these words. Where your treasure is there will your heart be also. There is such a, a close relationship between the two. And we, we talked about this a year ago, that in any kind of a relationship, somebody is always leading. Now what we know is that Jeremiah tells us the heart will lead you in ways and deceive you. So you know, a lot of people say, you know, I just lead with my heart. And the truth is, you lead with your heart, guaranteed your money will follow along with it. But knowing that we have a heart that is deceptive at times, it's more important that where your treasure is, you let that lead the relationship and your heart will follow along. So the question that we always are trying to battle with is who is leading in this relationship? Because Jesus himself said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Now, I have some breaking news, okay? Breaking news. 
after thousands of surveys, thousands of surveys, and years and years of laboratory testing, and a study has come with the conclusion, now get a load of this, money behaves. You ever said? Money behaves itself. Money is compliant, it's respectful, it's obedient. To put it another way, money does precisely what you tell it to do. Every time you give it an order, it obeys. It actually does what you tell it to do without questioning. Amazing. Money does what you tell it to do without questioning, unlike your children. Or maybe a spouse, or an employee, or your cat, or your dog. How many here have a misbehaving dog? Yeah, way too many. Or a misbehaving teenager. Or a misbehaving parent. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, money is not like that. It goes where you tell it to go, and it stays where you tell it to stay. See, for years, we believed the story that money burns a hole in our pocket. We're walking along, and something ignites, and smoke starts bellowing out from your pocket. You're like, whoa, if I don't get that out, my pants are going to be burning, and I'll be left naked. i got to get rid of the money. That's what we used to believe. You know, Jesus actually warned his followers uh, in Mark 4, 19. It says that money can actually deceive you. That's what he said. It can trick you into thinking that it has a mind of its own. How it can simply disappear when you find yourself at Best Buy. It just goes. The truth is not one single dollar has ever moved on its own because money behaves. From the very beginning of time, since the day of creation, when God created Adam and Eve and had created the garden, he told them to have dominion over everything. Exercise your authority. Have control. And the reality is that is still true today that we're have to have to dominion. We're, we're to have control over our life and, and our family and, and our relationships and of course our money. And the thing is, you can take charge of your money and tell it where to go and what to do. Because money does not have a will of its own. It will certainly do what you tell it to do. Now I've been pastoring almost 30 years. And I've come across a lot of married couples, engaged couples, singles, whose lives were being destroyed by money problems. In fact, we know that finances can put such a strain on relationships. In fact, when I was thinking about that, I couldn't help but think of this clip that I saw on television. Actually, yeah. Hey, this is Team USA. 
We know finances can be a strain on any kind of relationship, especially when there's money problems. You know what's interesting is that oftentimes it can be the well-educated, the high-functioning follower of Christ that can blame the problem on money. You know, the money that was set aside for mortgage payments, the money that was set aside for children's education, the money that was set aside for retirement, all of a sudden it's gone. And then sometimes in a conversation with these people, they will shake their heads and go, I, I, I was so stupid. I'm an idiot for, for what I did with this money. I remember um, a friend of mine in my previous church, and um, he was a, a recovering uh, drug addict. And, and he had gone for 10 months. He was clean for 10 months. And, and one Sunday, I happened to notice he wasn't there. And so I followed up with him. I said, hey, I, I, haven't, I didn't see you at church last week. Just how you doing? And he just said, you know, I, um, I lost $1,000. I go, what? What do you mean you lost it? Like, what, what happened? Did you drop it? Did, like, 
what do you mean you lost it? How do you lose a thousand? I was very concerned. And, and he just said, well, I, I actually, I, I, I didn't lose it. He said, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I just, the temptation for the drug was so overwhelming that I, I drained my account that my wife and kids were expecting. I just drained it all. The reality is savings accounts don't just disappear. Maybe it's because we just wanted a new car. Mortgage payments, mortgage money doesn't really just walk away. We just wanted another vacation. Money that we were planning on giving the church, it didn't just disappear. It had to be used on overdue bills. And so sometimes people will say to me, Donald, can you just help me? Help me with this insane track that I find myself on. Last week, we, we talked about, well, we gave some money management tips. We said, hey, here's something that can be very helpful. Spend less than what you make. We talked about that last week. It seems like it should be fairly common sense, but it's so hard, especially when we have credit cards that allow us actually to live a lot higher than what, um, what we make. And this weekend, in my small group, actually, we were discussing this. You never know how discussions like this are going to happen in an intimate group, but what I discovered is some of the people in my group are really hitting it out of the park when it comes to this of spending less than what they make. In fact, they should be up here talking more so than me, really doing well. And then we talked about that there's this huge difference between saving and spending. I know, it seems like a no-brainer, but when you open the paper and you see ads that say the more you spend, the more you save, you get kind of caught up with that. But the reality is spending money always leaves you. Saving money always comes towards you. We also talked about trying to learn how, do, how can we admire it without acquiring it. And then we talked about learning how to be content with what we have. Certainly a lot to chew on and to digest last week. And really, there's no better time to be talking, I don't think, about finance than at the beginning of the year. And here we are at the beginning of 2018 and just trying to get some skills together that can help manage uh, our money. Now, I have uh, three buckets here that I want to use. I'll put it this way here. Call this one spending. This one saving. This one giving. Just put the small one there. These buckets really do kind of show us where our, our money goes. Spending, saving, and giving. Every one of us have control over our money as to where our money will go. Like we're the ones who direct the amounts, the percentage, and the order of these buckets um, get filled. Now remember, money does exactly what you tell it to do. Never, never once has this ever happened that money on its own jumped into another bucket. Never in the middle of the night while you were sleeping did something happen. Because money behaves. Money goes exactly where you tell money to go. Money never jumps 
It stays where you tell it to stay because money behaves. I don't know if you ever thought about where your earnings go. I don't know if you've ever even thought about the order in which your earnings get placed. I did some reading and uh, I looked at where the average Canadian spends um, or does with their earnings. Does anybody have an idea? If you were just thinking of the average Canadian, you look at their income, how much do you think of their income gets, on this, gets put in this bucket? Anybody have an idea? All of it. That You know what? If it was just simply all of it, it may not be so bad. But stats say that about 130% gets spent. It didn't make sense. And then it says the average Canadian saves about 4 to 5%, and the average Canadian gives 2 Okay? Now, you may think to yourself, I'm not that good at math, but that doesn't add up. <laughs> Something doesn't add up. Well, you know why we can live at 130%? Because of debt. Right? Because of debt. I said last week the average Canadian has $22,000 of consumer debt. That's not house payments. That's not business loans. That's just debt to buy stuff. 22000 The average Canadian has between five dollars and $7,000 on their credit cards that never get paid off, by the way. That's the average. Um, the average Canadian spends about $1,500 interest on their credit card, which I actually, I thought it was going to be higher than that, but I got thinking about that. You know, if the average spends $1,500 a, a year on credit card debt interest. Look at our church, church about 800 people. That's about $1.2 million that gets paid to someone that you don't love, you don't care, you don't even know who they are. I mean, can you imagine what $1.2 million would do in our community? The changes it could make. But that's just the average Canadian. Now, it's... I believe that the order is also just as important as the amount when it comes to our finances. And you may say to yourself, I, I don't even understand, Donald. What do you mean the order? This totally makes sense. You have to spend because you got bills, you got things that have to be done. This is life. Of course, this is the first thing that gets filled. And then if we're fortunate enough... <laughs> We'll put a little bit in the savings. But this has to be the priority. If there's anything left, we put it in here. And then, at the very end, if there's anything else at all, then we'll, we'll throw a few things into this bucket. Donald, that actually makes sense. But you know, it's interesting, the Bible actually talks a little bit about the order of the buckets. Can I just share a couple of verses uh, for you that I wrote down? Exodus 20, verse 3. The first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. It's another way of saying, make me first in your life. Simple way of saying it. 
Matthew 22, 37 to 39. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God, and these things shall be added unto you. Seek first his purposes. What would it look like if we, if we switched things around? Like, what would it look like if we actually were to put God first, then others, then ourselves? God says, when you put me first, you have invited me to be part of the core of your life. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Proverbs 21, 20, foolish people spend all that they earn. Now what I'm talking about here this morning is not a plan to get rich. This is a plan to reprioritize. And I believe to have the peace of God. I think if we begin to maybe switch up the order and invite God to be part of our finances, we will see, I believe, some financial success, the key to financial freedom, the key to financial peace. I'm going to suggest this morning that change the order. Now this, for some ages, like, whoa, 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 you're messing with something. You're messing with my life here. I'm suggesting that we take these buckets. You know how they do on, on the road show, you know, on the sidewalk? Take these buckets and switch them up. I'm suggesting give, save, spend. Now, I, I can't even fully explain it, but something happens when things get in this order. Now, now what I'm about to say to you, for some of you, it's going to be like, whoa, 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 you are, you have, you've gone off the lid. You, you, you have a, Donald, I don't know what you've been reading, but get a grip. What I want to suggest to you, for some of you, you've heard this. I think some of you live by this, actually. The Bible never really talks about amounts of money. But it does talk a lot about percentages. It's never been about the amount. It's always been about percentages. I'm suggesting today that in this order if you work with your finances in this order some of you have heard of the what they call the 10 10 80 plan that's 10 percent give it away 10 percent save and 80 percent well you live on the rest that's what you spend now the bible actually does talk a lot about Tithe, and it says, you know, bring the tithe, which is a, uh, a 10%. I, I actually believe, like I really believe this. Uh, this has been, I'll be honest, this has been the order of my life. And this is what was taught to me at a very young age. That's why I actually put these smaller buckets here. It's never too early 
actually to train your children. When your children get an allowance, the trainer of the very young age, okay, we are going to learn how to give some of it away, we're gonna learn how to save some of it, and then you can have some to really just spend and go enjoy life. This is a principle that I believe God talks about. Now some of you may say, what are you talking about? 10%, whoa, back up, could never happen, unrealistic, no way, 10%, come on, Donald. I'm barely making ends meet now. How could that even possibly be? Now I know for perhaps new Christians, to even hear something like that, I mean, it causes your eyes to, to just totally bug out. And that's why I would say to certain people, I'd say, you know what? Let's learn. Let's learn how to get there. I tell some people, I say, you know, if you've never given, well, why don't you just start at, at 3%? Learn and get to the point where you, you can give five and, and work your way up to seven and then up to 10%. And I know for some of that, that's, that's a struggle. But here's what I've, this is what I'm learning. For most of us here, I'm not assuming everyone's a follower of Christ, but for those who are, let's just put our lifespan right here. This is our lifespan. And one day, one day our eyes are opened and, and we catch a glimpse, a fresh glimpse of who Jesus Christ is. And our world is turned upside down. It is wrecked. For some of you, that happened this year. Some have happened in, in 2017. And some of you, it happened 40 years ago. But you had this defining moment in your life. It was a conversion. You, you surrender your life to Christ. You recognize you're in a sinful condition and that God had sent his son and he, he died for you. And, and it was a defining moment. It's never been the same since. But I also believe on this Christian life, this journey that we find ourselves, oftentimes we have what I'll call them mini conversions. I'll give you an illustration for me. Okay, something that I learned. I feel like I had a mini conversion on when it came to the whole topic of mental health. I just thought, come on, get better, smile, crack a joke, everybody will be better. But on this journey of mine, I've learned something. I call it a, a mini conversion. It was a, it was a wake up moment for me. For some, it may be you were caught with the plight of the poor. You're like, for the first time, you saw it, you recognized it, and, and you wanted something different. It's almost like you had a mini conversion. Your life was shaken up. Maybe for others, it was, maybe it was a racial. Maybe it was a racial issue. And finally, something happened. You're like, wow, all equal, all in God's sight. And then there are times, I don't think it always happens here, by the way, but I think along the way, followers of Christ have this mini conversion with their money. It's like, wow, 
I get it. I, I get this design that God's talking about. To give, to save, and to live on the rest. I can tell you hundreds of stories, and I mean that, hundreds of stories, of people who got this right and then said to me, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I don't make any more money. There has never been enough money at the end of the month. I mean, that is a, right? that's the story. There's always more month than there is money. And I've heard more people say to this, married couples, engaged couples, singles, to say, I, I don't understand it, but somehow this works. It's amazing when you get this in the right order, what happens. Now, maybe you're here this morning, you're like a little skeptical. You're like, um, you know what, honestly, I think this is just another ploy uh, for churches to get money. Here's my suggestion for you. For those of you, maybe, you know, you're just here kind of checking out who God is. Like, does even God have a plan or purpose for my life? Here's what I would say. I challenge you to put your earnings in this order. And here's what I'll say. Don't even give it to the church then if you're a little skeptical for those who aren't a follower of Christ. Like give it to a charity that you think is, is doing really well and, and making a difference. But get your finances in this order. And I'm telling you, you will be shocked what happens. I believe it's the principle that God is laid out for financial success. Not to get rich, but to have control over your finances. See, Jesus doesn't want anything from you. He wants something for you. I love what um, financial guru Dave Ramsey says. Live like no other one now so you can live like no other later. Prepare. I actually believe if we were to follow this, give, save, spend, I believe in 20 years from now, you're going to come back to me and go, you are a genius. <laughs> you know, I actually had someone come up to me last week after the service and they said, you know what? What you talked about today, it works. My husband and I have done it for years and it works. It works. If you find yourself living from paycheck to paycheck, maybe it's time to take just control of your finances. Too many households fight about money. Maybe you grew up in a household that there's a lot of fighting going on. Maybe you grew up in a household where every time the phone rang, it was, you were nervous because you knew it was a debt collector. Maybe you're here this morning and you're nervous because, uh, you know, you, like, is my, is my heat going to be turned off this winter? I want to challenge you, encourage you. Go home. Have a conversation this week with your spouse or your significant one. Or if you're single, go home and have a conversation with yourself <laughs> about this. Now, some of you may say, well, this is going to affect my current lifestyle. Yep, it could. But most people I know are stressed out with their current lifestyle. That's the reality. There's this amazing story 
in the Bible. It's Jesus. It's found in um, Mark chapter 12. But it's Jesus and his disciples, and they're at the temple, and they're just kind of sitting. I don't know if they're standing or sitting, but they're, they're, they're observing. People are coming, and they're, and they're um, giving their tithes and their offerings, and I don't know, I've, I've been told that sometimes in the temple they would have like these big metal barrels or something and people would come and they would, you know, throw in their coins, maybe silver coins or gold coins or copper coins, whatever they had, and you could hear it drop. And so Jesus and the disciples are, um, are watching this go on and for some it's a, it's a big parade, it's a processional as they make their way to put in their gold coins or silver coins so everybody can see it. And then Jesus says, whoa! Did you see that? The disciples said, what? He says, did you, did you just see what happened? No. Didn't you just see what that woman did? No. That, you mean, that poor lady that's walking down, like leaving? Yeah, did you, did you just see what she did? And they're like, no. No, I, I, I didn't. Uh, let me just read it. It's, it's so amazing. It's Mark chapter 12. It's probably, it'll be on the screen as well. Mark chapter 12, verse 43. Jesus says, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. So let's just back up. Well, did she cash in something? Was she holding some money back? Let's go back to verse 41. It says, Jesus sat down on the opposite place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in a large amount, but a poor widow came and put in two very, very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. And Jesus, whoa, whoa, you see that? You see, did you see what happened? In verse 44, Jesus, they gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. She put in everything, all that she had to live on. See, the Bible really doesn't ever talk about amounts, how much you give. But it does talk about percentages. I believe if we could learn right from the very beginning, when our earnings come in, 10%, we give away. 10%, we save. And we learn to live on the rest. Imagine, for just a moment, just imagine, what it would look like if we lived that way. What would it look like if we switched up the order? Because most people just live, right? Spend, save, and there's anything left over we give. What would it look like, though, if we switch the order so i'm i want to i want to encourage you go home like wrestle through this wrestle through this what what does this mean what does it mean to seek first his kingdom i'm telling you when you seek first his kingdom it will affect all of your life your life becomes fuller so i want to challenge you keep an eye on your money Honor God. Make course corrections where needed. Switch the order. Give. Save. And live on the rest. Let's pray. Father, this morning we know that our, our time has, 
has gone late. And Father, I'm absolutely convinced that this is such a critical part of those who are followers of Jesus Christ. And Father, this is my prayer. Wherever we are in our financial situation, would you give us the courage to do what we need to do? Lord, I pray that this is not just the message that falls on deaf ears, but we would go home. We'd wrestle through this. What does this mean for me? What does it mean for my family? To give, save, and to live on the rest. Lord, we know this is not just a financial issue. In so many ways, it is a spiritual issue. It is a discipleship issue as to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.